Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. get into it. If you have uh, never been here, you've never been to church, or maybe you've just never been to Harbor Church, my name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you're joining us online right now, maybe you're watching on on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast or something like that, welcome to you as well. Um, I'm thrilled that you're with us. We are doing a, a weekend that we call DNA Weekend, where we talk about the DNA of Harbor Church and why it is that Kaylee and I planted a church a little over six years ago. Um, God put it on our heart and uh, we thought, man, let's, let's every once in a while throughout the year, let's just, t- let's just pause and remind the church of what it is. This is what, if you read the New Testament, this is what Paul writes most of his letters about to the churches, to the, the church in Galatia. That's the book of Galatians or the church in Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesians. All these books of the Bible are him writing letters to the church being like, this is what a church should be, and this is what a church should do. And every once in a while, he's like, "Don't do that," and and like it's those kind of those kind of messages. And I was sitting there going, "If Paul did that throughout Scripture, maybe we should have a few times throughout the year where we just kind of look at what it is that God's called Harbor to do and Harbor to be." So I know some of you have been a part of Harbor Church for a while, maybe even as far back as five or six years ago. Um, although that was just a handful of people. But many of you have joined in the last couple of years. In just the last few years, we have added probably close to 600 people to the church. And so I know a lot of you are, are, are really new to this. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're not even sure about what your faith is or, or where to go in a relationship with God. I don't want a, a message. I don't want this weekend to feel overwhelming. I want it to feel enlightening. I want you to hear the heart of what I think God has for his church, not just Harbor, but for the the global church, Christians everywhere over the planet. Now, I'm not responsible for them. I'm the pastor of Harbor. I'm responsible for Harbor. So I'm going to tell you what it is that God's put on my heart and where I think he would have us going. And so I look forward to these DNA weekends and as you saw in the intro video, we're talking about one small step. What is a step we could take this year? What is something that God would have for us to do? And as I thought about what God would have for Harbor, I thought, man, let's look at some of the, let's look at one of the stories about boats. Because when Kaylee and I named this church Harbor Church, we love the imagery in the Bible that has so many, there's so many boating stories. I did a series here a couple of years ago called Shipwrecked, and I just looked at all the different uh, boat stories in the Bible. There's so many of them. Uh, and I, I love the idea of a harbor. A harbor was a place of safety. If you were in a storm, if you were going through it and it was a rough, it was a rough time in your life, you should find a harbor. And I thought that's a great picture of what a church should be. Some of you are, are in a hurricane of life and you're like, man, I need a church family to belong to. And you do. And I think God's created the church to be a harbor, to be a place of safety. But that's not the only thing a harbor does. A harbor is also supposed to be a place of supply. And I thought a church should be a place where you can come in and mend the nets or mend the sails or fix up some broken boards and, and, and learn and grow. And you shouldn't be the same person. None of you are shaking your heads yes. So like, I'm, maybe I'm preaching to myself. Like the goal of a church shouldn't be that you walk in, check a box, and then walk out looking the same way. That, like, listen, that's old school. That's why, that's, that's why we were dragged to church, those of us that were dragged to church as kids, because like we had to go to church. Nothing changed. 
Church should be a place where you're like, how do I look more like Jesus walking out of this message than I walked in? It has nothing to do with Pastor Josh. That has, has to do with the Holy Spirit getting a hold of your heart and you going, man, I need to apply that. So a harbor should be a place of supply, something that something takes place, something to build you up, something to encourage you or educate you. Maybe it's a friend you need to make. <laughs> so a place of supply, but a harbor is also supposed to be a place of sending. A church is supposed to be a launching pad for you to go back into the world. Churches that are only like, hey, come to church, circle the wagons, it's us versus everybody else, that's not healthy either. A church should be a place you get supplied up, but then you get sent out. And you go back into your families, back into your communities, back into your schools, back into your workplaces, hopefully with a little bit brighter light to shine in the darkness. I'm gonna have to start preaching hard. You all just staring at me, all right. So let me share with you what might be my favorite boat story from the Bible. You can find it in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, that's Simon Peter, about to become a disciple. He looks at this guy and he says, hey man, I need to borrow your boat. Can you push it out into the water? And so he sat in the boat, this is Jesus, sits in the boat and teaches the crowds from there. <coughs> the crowds were so heavy on him, he couldn't preach because everybody was trying to touch him, hoping to get a miracle, hoping to get something from him. So he has to get in a boat and push out from the shore and they just crowd the shoreline and they don't come any, any further. So now he can get far enough out that he can project his voice and he can preach. And so this is what Jesus does. And he preaches to him. And then when it's over, the next verse says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, it's Peter. Now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, rabbi, listen, bro, I know you like to preach and you know a little something about the scrolls, but I'm a fisherman. This is, I'm implying this here. You got to read between the, between the lines here. He goes, uh, Master, uh, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll humor you. I'll let the nets down again. And this time, somebody say this time. And this time, when Jesus gets in the picture, this time the nets were so full that the fish began to tear the net. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the other boat, ended up being two other soon-to-be disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were also amazed, and Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now I got I to gotta look at this story, and I got to wonder... Do you think this is a story about Jesus's power or a story about Jesus's leadership? I mean, he's calling, he's, he's calling in disciples. This is a way to recruit some people. 
He's clearly demonstrating power. He knows where exactly to drop the nets, and it wasn't about being a skilled fisherman. It was about the fact that he had the power to control all things. And he says, hey, put your nets over here. Here's the thing. I actually don't think it's, a, it's really a story on either one. I mean, the Bible gives us a lot that we can dig into, and I think it's a story about Jesus's intentionality. See, in the middle of Jesus ministering to crowds of probably hundreds, maybe a thousand or more people, in the middle of ministering to all of them, he's like, I've also got my eye on the one. See, he can, he can love and minister to thousands, and at the same time, he knows every single name, he knows every hair on every head, and he knew exactly what Peter needed, what James needed, and what that little girl in the crowd needed, and what that old man in the back needed, and Jesus was intentional about all of it. So he preaches to the masses, and at the same time, he hasn't forgotten about the single one. This is, by the way, the same, the same man who said, a good shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one. So Jesus has always been intentional, and I, you see this here in the middle. Some of you haven't understand I'm preaching to a church yet. And I recognize some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church. Hey, hang on. If you're ever going to be a part of a church, you should know what a, a healthy church should be. So if, if you're on the fence of like, do I want to be a part of a church or not? Think about like what, what God describes as, as healthy followers of him and then say, that's what I'm going to look for. And maybe it's not Harbor. That's okay. Harbor's got a weird pastor. And if it's not Harbor, you, can, you, you need to go find somewhere. And some of you are maybe visiting from out of town. Go back to your church. Go find a church that preaches from the Bible and promotes Jesus Christ as the one and only answer to hell and to sin, and you find that church that promotes Jesus above everything else and gets it from the scripture, not from somebody else, and you get plugged in there, make some friends, and contribute to that mission to reach that community. And if you're looking for one of those, and you think maybe it's Harbor, then lean in, okay? Here's what I notice about, about this story. Peter is a skilled fisherman. He is a professional fisherman. That might be some of, we live on Cape Cod, some of you might be here are, might be professional fishermen. A lot of you think you're skilled fishermen. <laughs> Peter actually was. That was his job. And this rabbi, who he's humoring by rowing his, his boat out so this dude can sit on his boat, and you know he's got to be sitting there going like, okay, I, I get a free lesson, but dude, I could be going home right now. <laughs> but then Jesus begins to teach. He's like, wow, this guy's pretty smart. And then this teacher turns around and says, hey, throw your nets over there. <sighs> That's a good message and everything, but <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, is it? Uh, <laughs> let me educate you on how fishing works, all right? It's hot. <laughs> and we were out here when fish were actually in this area, and we didn't catch anything. So we ain't catching anything now. We shouldn't even be fishing now. <laughs> and we tried all night, and our expertness, we didn't catch nothing. And if you've ever been, if you've ever thought that you were more knowledgeable than somebody, and they try to teach you how to do something you thought they had no business teaching you, you know what might have been a little bit of a struggle inside of Peter. Some of y'all staring at me like you've never had that problem. <laughs> My child tried to tell me how to make turns to get home the other day driving. And I was just like, oh, well, thank goodness that you're here. How would I ever get us back home if you weren't giving me instructions? Oblivious, they're like, they think they're helping, right? And you know, you got, we all got people in our life that they think they're helping us. And in this moment, now hear me, 
in this moment, Jesus is trying to teach Peter something, and Peter's going to have to struggle through the fact that he's pretty sure he knows better than Jesus. Nobody here ever struggles with that. None of us have ever in our mind thought, I'm good, God. I think I know what I'm doing with my life. So Peter struggles with it. But nevertheless, he puts his nets down, and you, you heard the story. He catches more fish than he's ever caught in his entire life to the point that the nets are going to break and the boats are about to sink. So this is what I put in my Bible. My spiritual impact is not based on my ability, but on my obedience. Don't, don't miss it. Peter does not catch these fish because of all of his years of professional fishing experience. Peter does not catch these fish because he just happened to get lucky. Peter doesn't catch these fish because he figured out something that nobody else figured out. Peter doesn't catch these fish for any reason other than he obeyed Jesus when God told him to do something. So you and I, as we look at like, God, what might my step be for 2023? God, what would you have me do individually? And as, I, as your pastor, I'm saying, God, what would you have Harbor Church do if we want to have an impact on our families, on our friends, on our community, on Cape Cod, on Massachusetts, in New England, and around the world, if you've called us to make an impact what do we do? And we will be tempted because de the devil will make sure to dangle us all kinds of temptations that are anything but Jesus. We'll be tempted to somehow accomplish in our own abilities, in what we think is the best way to spend our lives. See, some of y'all already made your New Year's resolutions. Some of you already got your 2023 plans. And not a, not a one bit, one little ounce, one little second of thought went into Jesus. What would you want me to do in 2023? You went through your Instagram and you found some great quotes. And this year, I'm going to love more than I'm going to hate. I'm going to hope more than I'm going to hate. Like you had all these great things. You never once said, God, what would you have me do? What do you want me to walk away from? What do you want me to try to do? How would you have me leverage my life this year? See, as long as we keep putting everything on us, we're going to miss out on the real impact, on the real miracle. Our church might catch a fish or two, because every blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. But if we want to have a real impact, our mission isn't to go out and make Harbor Church famous. Our mission is to go out and make Jesus Christ famous. We have to be more impressed with who he is than trying to impress others with who we are. That's us as a group, and that should be us individually living our lives wherever it is that God takes you tomorrow. John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There's my belief. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. My obedience is proof of my faith. We all love to talk about, I love me some God. I read to you a, a week ago, Jesus says, hey, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't ever do anything I tell you to do? See, we love to say that, that, that we're good with God. We like us some God. We love us some Jesus. We just don't ever obey him. If we're going to be a church that's real, if you've ever seen our core values, they're in the hallway and in the 
in the entranceway. We're real, we're serving, we're generous, and we're growing. If we want to ever re- actually be a church that's real, that's, that's truly serving our community, that's generous with our, with our time and our talents and our treasure and our testimony, if we want to be a, a, a church that's growing, we're going to have to learn to obey and not just do what we think is best all the time. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Keeping my commandments is how you show that you love me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and will love him and manifest myself to him. Your love is demonstrated in your obedience. If we are gonna have a year where we're asking God for impact, like real, spiritual, eternal, lasting impact. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in, 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 in something that really drastically needs to change this year. You want that kind of impact? It's not going to come from you figuring it out, or you getting lucky, or you being smart enough, talented enough to do it. The only thing that's going to happen this year that has eternal value is going to be the part that you give to God and God works through you because all the rest that you're going to do is just going to fade away someday. Let's go back to that passage though. Look at verse number two. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge because the fishermen had left them, left these boats and they were washing their nets. See, Peter tells us, hey man, they spent all night fishing and now... Now that the fishing's over, they can't go take a nap yet. A good fisherman has to go wash his nets. If you look at the same story in Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 19, it says, the same story says, a little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. The Greek words here for mending and repairing is exactly that, that they sat down, they, they, they took time to go through and inventory their nets and get them ready for the next fishing trip, the next time they're going to be out. They had to fix the holes, clean them up, pick the seaweed out, make sure that it was ready to go. Why am I telling you this? Well, if you looked at the story, it said that they caught the amount of fish that was just about to break their nets. They caught as many fish as their nets could hold. Now, what dictated how many fish their nets could hold? How strong they were and how repaired they were. Do you understand that these guys had, an, they, they had a direct effect on their own blessing? Oh, man, I'm going to have to preach, obviously, a little bit hard. I thought that was the bottom shelf there. All right, let me take this this way. Put it in your Bible this way. Today's stewardship determines tomorrow's blessings. It's the idea of sowing and reaping. If you're you're sitting here going, God, I I would love to have 2023 be a year where I reap those blessings, where I see you show up. God, I'd love to have a catch of fish, not literal, but I'd like to have my metaphorical net full of fish this year. I'd love to see you bless me. And some of you are praying for blessings and maybe it's financial, maybe it's health, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's in the term of a family or a boyfriend or a child or a, a husband or a wife or something like that. Whatever it is you're praying for, God, I just need a job this year. Would you bless me? Would you fill my nets? Okay. What did they have to do? And if they hadn't done it, let's look at it this way. If they hadn't been mending their nets, they would have lost out on fish. 
their willingness to be responsible. This, is, this reminds me of the story where Jesus says that there's a, a master who had three servants and he gave one servant five bags of, of gold and one two bags and one one bag. In Matthew 25, not gold, silver, I'm sorry. In Matthew 25, verse 15, it says, the master gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on this trip. See, how responsible they could be, how willing they were to work, determined how much blessing they received there. Now, God still brought the blessing for Peter and his brother and James and John, but their blessing would have been a lot less if they hadn't been taking care of their nets. See, in Matthew 25, that same story, a few verses later, the master looked at the servant and he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount of money. So now I'm gonna give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. See, the servant who got five and the servant who got two, both worked hard with what God had given them, with what their master had given them, and they got a return and he was pleased. But the last servant... God gave him, the master gave him a talent, and he, he was lazy. And he said, I just don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to bury this so I don't lose it, and I'm good. I don't have to actually work. I don't have to do anything. I know I'm not going to lose it, so I don't have to stress about it. I'm just going to bury the talent, and I'll call it a day. And the master comes back and says, what'd you do? And he's like, I buried it. And the master takes it away from him. And the master actually takes the coin away from him, the bag of silver away from him, and he gives it to another one. And he says this in verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, to the people who are responsible when God gives you a talent, when God gives you time, when God gives you treasure, when God gives you a testimony, by the way, that's all of us. You have all of those things. Whether you have as much as you want or not, that's not the question. You've been gifted by God, time, talent, treasure, and testimony. Those who use it well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now, that might, and it should, scare you as an individual. But even if it doesn't, it really, really scares me as a pastor. God has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. I believe our blessings so far in the six years that we've had, and those of you that haven't been here um, we were one of the only churches in America. There's so few. I think it was less than 1% of churches in America grew during the pandemic. We were in that small percentage. We are considered one of the fastest growing churches in New England. And I only say that, I'm, I'm tired of saying it because I think you're going to, I don't, I, I really don't want that to be the focus. The only reason I say that is so that you recognize that what is happening here is not the norm. It's God's hand supernaturally on us. It's a blessing like throwing the nets on one side and catching more than you deserve because it has nothing to do with us has everything to do with God blessing Harbor. But here's my thing. The reason I br keep, I'm bringing this up is, God has blessed us. Now what do we do with the blessing? Do we sit back and go, hey, I got my bag of silver from the master, so I'm good. 
See, those guys, they already had a boat. They already had nets. They could have said, well, I'm already an established fisherman. I don't need any more gear. I'm just going to take it easy. But instead, they went back and they sat down and they took the extra time to mend their nets to make sure that they were ready in case there was something more coming. And see, a lot of us right now, we're mad at God. God, why don't you do this for me? Why don't you fix my problem, God? Why don't you take care of that person over there, God? You know what I'm talking about. Like we have a lot of those kind of moments, but we have very few of the, God, thank you for what you've given me. Let me take care of what little bit I have because you said if I'm faithful with this little bit, you'll give me more. See, what most of us do is we look at the little bit and we get mad. How come I don't have as much as him? How come my life doesn't look like hers? How come they have this, they have this? And and we get mad at what God's given us and we don't take care of it. We don't mend it. We don't appreciate it. We're not responsible for it. And then we're bad that God never brings us any more blessings. Why would God send them more fish than they can handle? Why would he do that? He doesn't want to sink their boat. He doesn't want to tear their nets. He sends them the max capacity that they can handle. If he sent them any more, one more fish, and they're screwed. God's not looking to hurt them. If you read the story of a widow lady who's poor, God sends oil. And as long as she could find a container to catch the oil, he kept bringing the oil. And when she couldn't bring any more containers, the oil stopped. God's not going to pour his blessing on the ground. If he's going to bless, he wants you to be able to do something. If you can't handle any more, then you're not going to get any more. And here's the thing. We all complain. I wish I had more, God. Give me more time, more talent, more whatever. To do what with? What are you doing with what I gave you right now? God's looking at you going like, oh, well, if I had, if it was better, <laughs> it was better, I'd do more. No, you wouldn't. You're not doing anything with the one or two or five talents you got right now. Why would he ever give you more? This is the idea that we have to look at. Harbor Church, why am I saying that? Because we have to plant more churches. I'm about to take my headset off and quit. If I just preach to my church that we got to start more churches, and you look at me like, do you understand? Y'all going to make me lose my mind. Do you? Do you guys understand that we, we're at the place now where we have four of these services, and there are very few seats left? That doesn't, that isn't, that is, okay, if my net's full, God, I know that every one of these fish that you want to send has a story and a name. And for some of us, the fish that are out there are our friends, our children, our coworkers, our neighbors. And if Jesus Christ died for them, they need to hear about that, which means we've got to create more room for that to happen. I don't care if it has Harbor's name on it, but every single one of us should be passionate about the fact that our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, everybody in New England deserves at least one chance at hearing Jesus Christ loved them and died for them. And if that's what God's given us the opportunity to do, then we should do it. Let's mend the nets, whatever he's given us. If it's just, if it's a little old pet store of a building, let's maximize every inch of this. And I believe that we have, I believe that we have. And that's why I believe God gave us another building. Now, some of y'all are like, well, it's another building. And I don't know if I'm going to go there, if I'm going to go here, if I'm going to get pastor, if I'm going to have to have to serve two services, stop that. (laughs) 
we get the opportunity to open up another location to reach more people. And if God blesses that, let's do it again and again and again. And let's not stop there and go, well, I'm really tired and I didn't catch any fish last night. Mend the nets. Mend the nets because you believe that there's a God who said he can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ask or think. And if you've got some people in your life that desperately need Jesus Christ, then don't give up. Don't get weary in doing well. Let's mend the nets and say, come on, come on. It got, hey, listen, I'm not dead. So God's not done with me yet. I got to go do something. And it's probably in this season, mending some nets because he's going to tell you, hopefully in the very, very near future, cast them over here. Are we ready? I think that's what we're missing out on. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. I want to bring you back to the end of that verse. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. This is the beginning of Jesus's First recruits, his first disciples. He gives them this amazing catch. These guys are professional fishermen. They've just had the best day they have ever had in their lives. They've caught fish before. They've never caught so many fish that their nets were breaking and their boat was sinking kind of catch days. You know what I'm talking about? Talking about like, that's not a good day. That's a great day. And God let him see that, and he said, hey, you think this is cool? I'm going to do this in a spiritual way. You like catching fish? I'm going to let you be a fisherman of men. I'm going to have you catch people now. Because this, this is going to rot and stink, and whatever it is that you do with your hands, whatever it is that you have invested with your time, whatever it is that you're, however it is you're making money right now, that's a temporary thing. God says, I've got an eternal thing. I've got an eternal impact for you. And it says, when they landed... They left everything, and they followed Jesus. You want to know what I think the problem is with the church? Not, not necessarily Harbor. I'm not picking on Harbor. I think the church around the world, the Christians around the world struggle with this, and there are some of us that struggle with this too, is we haven't experienced what God wants for us because we're not willing to let go. We love the blessing. Dear God, send me, send me a boat full of fish. And he does, and he says, okay, hey, I'm the one who gave you all those fish. What are you going to do? We turn and we start worshiping the fish instead of the one that gave them to us. We do it. I know I do it. I'm so easily distracted by the temporary things that the world offers, and God's going, I'm the one that gave that to you. Every second that your heart is beating is because I'm allowing it, is what God says. And you're going to use your time to serve yourself instead of serve me? Every penny in your bank account is because I gave it to you. You're going to turn your nose up about tithing back to me? Every, every hard sentence in your life's story, every bit of your testimony is something I have done and worked in you, and you're going to hold your story back from me using you to share it with somebody else? See, your time, your talents, your treasure, and your testimony, they're all things that you're gonna have to be willing to give to God. See, we don't like to let go. Churches don't like to let go. We like to hold on to past issues. 
our hurts. Some of us were like, man, I'm too broken. God can't use me. We won't let go of the past. Some of us, we're only at this church because we're mad at another church. See, if you really have a heart, a heart for being used by God, when your boat starts to fill up and your nets start to break, you want to share it with everybody around. Hey, come on, other boats. Do you know what I want God to do through Harbor? If God keeps blessing and keeps growing Harbor, I hope that Harbor becomes a catalyst to help other churches grow. I want to see their nets full. I'm not in competition with them. Pray for them. Be excited for them. Don't talk bad about them. It's about the only other people that we have to go, man, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. We just have a hard time letting go of things. I think one of the things that we're going to struggle with, I really believe this. I think one of the things that we're going to really struggle with is letting go of our comfort. Oh, this boat full of fish, just me. I'm going to have a good payday. I, oh, man, I can buy that thing I've been wanting to buy. It's going to be so good. And God's going, but hey, I'm, I'm done here. I got more ministry to go. Let's go. Oh, I'm coming, Jesus. I'll, I'll be there. It's kind of a demonstration of most of our spiritual life this year, wasn't it? Here's Jesus dropping stuff in our laps. He says, I do that because I love you. Now follow me. And God lays out a path, but, oh man, we're, we're not letting go. We don't let go because we're convinced that our, our family, our fortune, our, our plans, our whatever, that we have designed is more important than what God wants. So we're not being used the way we're supposed to be used. What catch do you love more than Christ? You're going to have to answer that for yourself. You answer that this year, I promise you, God's going to give you opportunities to learn to be open-handed with it, and that will be uncomfortable. And for our church, if we're going to grow, if we have any hope of growing, we better get comfortable being uncomfortable. We better get real open-handed with our time, our talents, our treasure, and our testimony. The temptation will be, I'm good right here. This is comfortable. This is good. I can, I can ride this out. And what Jesus is saying is, no, I've got better for your marriage than that. I'm glad you're not fighting. Do you know that I actually want you to be passionately in love? Let's take a journey. I'm just glad we're not fighting. I'm going to sit right here. <laughs> I got better. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you could ask or think. Hey, I'm finally not drowning in bills, so I'm going to sit right here. I don't want to take a step of tithing because that's, that's too painful. Hey, I actually got it so that, that money is no longer the thing that holds your heart. I've got a journey for you to go on that's going to set you free, but we got to take some steps together. It's up to you. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? For what will a man give in exchange? 
If at the end when he's standing in heaven, what would a man or a woman, what would a person let go of finally in exchange for the thing that's eternal? Because in the end, when you're standing in heaven, there will not be anything that you would, you would hold on to instead of Jesus. But it might be too late then. Saying right now, you have the opportunity to learn to let go. So what catches it that you love more than Christ? You answer that. And I think if we as a church are willing to let go of the things that are comfortable for us and take us a journey, maybe a little scary, might mean pastor's going to ask me to serve on a ministry team somewhere. It might mean that I have to forgive my neighbor or love that family member. But if we allow God to take us on that, that, that journey, that one small step will lead to another small step that will lead to another small step. And at the end of 2024, we will look so much more like Jesus than we do right now. We gotta learn to let go. Can I pray over you? If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray over you. Dear only Father, Lord God, I pray that in this moment right now, we would learn to let go. God, I pray that we would learn to trust you. Lord, I ask that you would help each and every one of us value you more than we value the things that this world offers. Lord, I, I hope, Lord God, that we would be willing, God, I hope that we would be willing to lay aside the things that we've been coveting, the things that we've been racing after, the things that don't have eternal value. God, I pray that we would be willing instead to trust you. God, I think there's somebody here right now under the sound of my voice that they need to trust you for the very first time. Help them. Help them, Lord God, to let go of their fear or their anger. God, help them to let go of the things they've put in front of you. And Lord, help each and every one of us cling to you, hold to you. God, for the man or the woman, the boy or the girl that has never embraced you as their Savior, I pray that right now they would open their heart and confess. They would admit that they need you. They would admit that they need you more than they need anything else. They need your forgiveness. They need the sacrifice that you made in their place. And God, I pray for every person, the ones that claim to be believers, the ones that say they already know you, God, I pray that each and every one of us would let go of the things that have been holding us back from walking closer to you. God, that this year we wouldn't rely on our ability, but that we would be nothing but obedient to however it is you want to lead us. God, help us. Lord, would you help our church be the kind of church that's passionate about reaching the lost? God, let us care more about blessing our community and telling them about Jesus than about anything else. God, let us be known as a place that loves others because we love you, and that's only impossible because you loved us first. God, would you do that? Would you use us to be lights individually, but then also as a group in our, in our homes and in our communities and all across New England, Lord God, would you use us? God, we pray this and we believe this because of all that you've done, and we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.